Hey there, and welcome to Homeschoolhood, the show and community where we talk about all things education and parenthood and the beautiful mess where they intersect homeschool. I'm Erica Ladd, former public school teacher and parent turned homeschool mom to my two daughters. I never thought we'd homeschool, but we tried it during the pandemic and haven't looked back. So whether you homeschool or not, my hope is that you find encouragement, practical ideas, and some real talk about raising and educating young humans here on Homeschoolhood. Hello, welcome back. I want to start with a disclaimer. This episode is going to be all about the five things we don't do in our homeschool. And these are the things that we don't do for a variety of reasons. It doesn't mean these things are bad or that they're wrong to do or that you shouldn't do them. It also does not mean that they wouldn't work great for you. Obviously, every family has different needs and preferences and the beauty of homeschool is you get to choose. But I do think it's helpful, especially if you're first starting out, just to hear what other families don't do so you know you also don't have to do it all and can't actually. Um, I think it's also helpful to share just what we don't do for those that don't homeschool to show that homeschoolers are not all one thing and don't do it all one way. So I think the more we know about each other, the better. So let's dive in to the five things we don't do in our homeschool. Number one, I don't teach everything myself. What? Shocker. Let me explain. I am the one in charge of my kids' education, but that doesn't mean I'm the one who has to be the main teacher for every single thing they need to learn from now until they graduate high school. And I think that's a common misconception and a reason why people say, oh, I could never, I'm so bad at math, or oh, I could never, I'm, um, you know, how am I going to teach them U.S. history in high school? That That is a trap that I fell into when we first started homeschooling, that I thought I needed to do everything, um, mostly because I'm a control freak, but also because I could more easily when they were littler and in second and third grade. It was almost manageable to teach it all. But I've started outsourcing where and when it makes sense, and it has made the biggest difference. So for example, we hit a big wall in our homeschool when it came to writing last year. So the girls were in third and fourth grade. They were at that point in their writing development where you know, the tasks were becoming more complicated and we were adding in a lot more structure to the writing um, and some formality and it just became a struggle. Now, I love writing and I love teaching writing, but we had reached this point where writing was becoming a battle and there were tears and they felt very defensive and sensitive because I don't know if you know this, but writing is one of the most complicated mental tasks we ask kids to do all day long. It combines the most parts of their brain that is still growing and developing. So I realized that to get them over this big kind of developmental hump in their writing, they needed a buffer between me, their mom, and this very hard thing they were being asked to do. Because otherwise it turned into moms being mean to me. (laughs) So they needed someone else for a little while to walk them through that period of development. And they needed, they needed me to be the support teacher in that case and to be their mom. Enter IEW, Institute for Excellence in Writing, and their structure and style curriculum with Mr. Pudwa, the creator of the program, teaching video lessons. And then they're doing some work along with that. And suddenly it took that emotional 
um, and relational pressure off. So they could do this hard thing and it wasn't mom asking it of them. It was Mr. Pudwa and mom could just be supportive. So now that they're able to really use proper sentence and paragraph structure in their writing and plan things out with an outline and they have their grammar a little bit more formalized, I've taken the reins back quite a bit with Write Shop Junior is what we use now, but we alternate what we use too. And if there's a time where they need a little more structure, we might add in some IEW lessons. So that's an example of outsourcing in writing. Math is also now outsourced to teaching textbooks. So we are using that online program. Um, We were kind of using it as a supplement to their Singapore math curriculum. And we loved Singapore math. I don't have anything bad to say about Singapore math other than I simply realized we needed to streamline our day a bit. And so this was an area that we could. And we switched to primarily doing math on teaching textbooks online with me more being the support teacher, answering questions, reviewing math skills and playing math games with them. And it has gone so much better. It's freed up a lot of time in our homeschool day. Plus it gives them just a different way to learn for a little while. So really loving that. Science, I think, is going to be a hybrid of online and in-person with me next year because I'm just seeing the benefits of that so much. So especially as they get into higher and higher levels of science, which are not necessarily my forte. So I mean, really outsourcing has just allowed for, number one, me to lean into my passions and strengths as a teacher, which are definitely the humanities and, um, you know, literature and English and all of that. And and dedicate more planning time and energy there as the teacher also. Um, It's kind of allowed me to call in expert help in areas that I'm not so sure on or don't enjoy teaching as much. Like we're doing, you know, physics right now. That is not my jam, but we're, if I can outsource some of that or add in videos and online classes, that is great, especially as they get into higher grade levels. I think it's also good because it teaches them some independence and has them take ownership in a different way over their own learning. It's not all coming straight from mom. And like I mentioned, it just places that emotional buffer when needed and have them, you know, practice learning in different modalities from different people, you know, early on, which is just going to be important in life, right? Okay, so I outsource. The second thing that I do not do in my homeschool is we do not fully commit to or finish every piece of curriculum we start. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I use curriculum as a tool. I might skip certain things or rearrange the order of when we teach what, but that that doesn't mean I just pick willy-nilly, pick and choose what I want to teach and what I don't. But, you know, scope and sequence is important. I don't want to teach foundational skills out of order or teach things before they have the background knowledge necessary. It just means that I might skip or substitute a book here or there, or find other ways to teach the same skill or concept. So maybe we'll watch a video about that science topic instead of doing the readings. Maybe I'll do two of the readings, but skip the third. Um, Maybe I'll add in a different resource to practice that same skill or concept in a way that suits my kid better or might just be more fun for that day. So it's all actually very intentional and thoughtful still. But the point is I treat the curriculum as flexible And as a guide, not a to-do list where we have to check every single box, if that makes sense. Um, Also, many curriculum resources are really designed this way. They have multiple options for extensions or extra practice, and it's not expected that you do everything. 
they are options, which they provide with the understanding that you're not going to pick and you're, you're not going to do all of it. You're going to pick and choose from those options. The other thing is we rarely finish an entire curriculum by the end of the school year. And there's always some prioritizing of certain skills or review or other things necessary that means we just flat out don't finish. And it was really kind of surprising to me when we first started homeschooling and I was researching and learning from other homeschool moms, just how many homeschoolers felt bad about that, about not finishing and had to really give themselves permission. Because for me, coming from the traditional school setting as a public school teacher, I never finished every single lesson of every single piece of curriculum I used, nor was I expected to. The goal was to teach the skills and concepts and the standards for that grade level using any combination of techniques and resources. So I have never had a problem leaving a few lessons undone, knowing that there is just no such thing as done learning anyway, and it all carries over. It all melds together. You know, everybody has some gaps and some holes also. So I just, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think, I think you can give yourself that permission if you're struggling with that. Um, In addition, and kind of related to that, I will stop using a curriculum that's just not working for us. If something is met with constant resistance or I really dread teaching it every day, I know I need to make some sort of change and I don't feel guilty about doing so. Now, So financially, this is not always easy if you've spent money on a curriculum, but just know at the beginning of your homeschooling journey, you'll have a little bit more of that, more of that feeling of money wasted as you kind of try to figure out what works best for you and your kids. And it's actually not really wasted money if it at least makes that more clear for you. Do you know what I mean? That's the purpose that may have served then. So If you need it, here is official permission from a professionally trained educator to not stick with or finish every single curriculum or resource that you start in your homeschool. Another thing we don't do is any sort of formal homeschool group or co-op. There's all different different kinds of homeschool groups from, you know, more informal park meetup sort of groups to going on field trips together. Um, to to a more formal co-op where families might meet up once a week and each parent kind of teaches a different class for all the kids. And honestly, it just doesn't work for us. We have friends that homeschool and we've tried to make it a more formal group in the past where we take turns leading an activity and have a set schedule. And honestly, we just found instead of becoming a source of support and taking something off of our plates, it was adding something to our plates as busy homeschool moms. So It just became another thing that we moms had to prep for and ended up just kind of opting for more informal social get-togethers once in a while with that group. Um, Also, I just really love the full flexibility. And I think you'll find this if you, once you start homeschooling, that it, it's so freeing that it's hard to give that up. So I had my kids signed up, for example, for some Friday enrichment classes locally. And once we got into the school year, I realized it was honestly going to be just too much for our schedule and left us with basically no flexibility the rest of the week. So we decided as a family not to do that. Um, You know, as I've mentioned before, the girls are in sports. They have a musical theater program one afternoon a week. They have a lot of neighborhood kids they play with. So I'm not overly concerned about that. And honestly, it was taking away from the freedom of the homeschool experience to be in too many formal things once like the world opened back up after COVID. So it's okay to not be in a co-op if that's not your jam and we aren't all in them. (laughs) Okay. 
Another thing we do not do in our homeschool is use religious or faith-based curriculum as a part of school. So Christian homeschool curriculum, in my experience, like I'm not going to get into specific companies or programs now because that's not the point, but I have tried several faith-based or faith-adjacent materials because I do consider myself a Christian and I do want to pass down an understanding of that faith and spirituality to my girls. And honestly, there's just also more on the market because of the history of homeschooling in our country tending to be more for religious reasons. So there's a lot more established homeschool companies that are that have a Christian, you know, foundation or have some Christian things woven into scripture and things like that woven into their um, curriculum. So there was a lot that caught my eye and I was like, well, I can, you know, pick and choose maybe what I use or leave out. And even when it talks about God or morals in a way that I mostly agree with, I think I've just found that the worldview is often very different than my own. And this is particularly a problem for me in the areas of social studies or history and science. Um, In my experience, and I might get some heat for this, but I think, you know, I'm sharing my experience. In my experience, Christian homeschool curriculum tends to be very focused on maintaining that far-right, white, American, evangelical, or fundamentalist culture and traditional values, quote-unquote, to the exclusion of other perspectives and voices and honest history and difficult social justice conversations and even to the exclusion of scientific fact. So I'm just not comfortable anymore using that in my homeschool. So I used to think I could make a mostly good curriculum work by omitting aspects of it that I don't agree with, but I'm just not doing that any longer and trying to find things that more closely align with our family's values and beliefs or putting something together on my own. Okay, the last thing we don't do is like, uh, we haven't done it, but now we are kind of a thing. (laughs) And that is letter grades and testing. So that's changing, but I will explain more about that. So we have not done any standardized testing or given out letter grades up until this year. So first of all, our state of Arizona doesn't have any legal requirements for testing or portfolios or anything like that. So that is obviously something I might not have a choice over in another state, but I was already firmly in the camp that there is a damaging overemphasis placed on achievement and standardized testing in elementary school, especially based on research and my own lived experience as a teacher and a parent, I just wasn't comfortable with how we were testing our kids to death. So, you know, the fact of the matter is grades and tests can, if used correctly, provide a measure of accountability and just help teach kids to take responsibility for their own learning and earn a grade, right? They can also be very helpful snapshots of progress if you just keep it in perspective. So, Learning for the sheer enjoyment and knowledge of it is important, and we do place a high priority on that in our homeschool. And it's frankly something we've gotten away from in the traditional school setting to our detriment. Um, We tend to test everything to death and turn every kid and every concept and skill into a data point to be analyzed. And when we do that, we just tend to lose sight of the big picture and the whole person that we are trying to teach and raise. So in fact, what we teach and what we make time to learn is even often at the mercy of all this educational poking and prodding and running out of time. So, but I do want them to be comfortable with these types of assessments in the future. And so we did take a standardized test this year. We took the um, MAP 
growth assessment. And I will link to that. Um, It was through a company called Homeschool Boss, and it's a nationally normed standardized test, and it's focused on their growth over time. So I really wanted a baseline. I wanted to see if there was an area that they were really struggling in that I was missing somehow. Um, And honestly, I... I needed the reassurance more than I thought I did because once we got the results, I didn't realize how helpful it would be to have an objective third-party assessment of where they were to just take a look at. It was honestly such a relief and helped me to exhale a breath I didn't even realize I'd been holding because when you're so in every detail of your kid's education and you have a front row seat to every struggle, it can be easy to focus on those, on the struggles and all that they haven't learned yet, especially when you think you may be doing this for the foreseeable future. So you're thinking, okay, they need to learn this before they can learn this. And that leads to this and it can be overwhelming. So having them take a standardized test was a reality check and provide a perspective for me, honestly, in the best possible way. They were slightly above, if not way above grade level in all their subject areas, even the ones I was sure I had miserably failed them in as a teacher. So it was just this sigh of relief. We are doing enough. We're doing more than enough. And it's okay to trust the process. So that is it for this episode. I just wanted to share those five common homeschool things that we do not do. Um, And then Yeah, my goal is to be back here with a new episode every other Wednesday here on Homeschoolhood. So be sure to follow or subscribe on your podcast player so you don't miss it. I will drop links to anything I mentioned in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much for listening and let's continue to chat over on Instagram. Don't forget over there, I am Lad Erica and I share all kinds of more visual um, videos, reels, different things about what I'm doing, some quick tips, some resources, stuff like that. So Go ahead and check out the show notes of this episode with links to anything I mentioned. Again, those will be in your podcast player. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment um, or a suggestion for the show, send me an email at hellohomeschoolhood at gmail.com. Until next time, remember you are your child's first and most important teacher and you've got this.